You're listening to The Voice. Benvenuti a Leuven. Leuven, Dabro Leuven. Bienvenue à Leuven. Welcome in Leuven. Leuven에 오신 걸 환영합니다. Welcome in Leuven. Welcome, welcome. Thank you guys for uh, thank you guys for listening. It's really nice to be back, and I hope you guys are having a great week. And we have a lot of things to talk about today. But before, without further ado, I would like to welcome our new guest co-host for today. Yes, hi everyone. My name is Alexia. I'm going to be co-hosting today. I am a student of the Master of European Studies. I am Belgian French, and I am 21 years old. And I'm very, very happy to be here on International Women's Day. Uh, and uh, I will be co-hosting for the duration of this program. So thank you for listening to us and for inviting me for, co- for this co-hosting. No, it's a pleasure to be uh, to have you here. I know I'm excited to talk about the EU and Japan relations. So, and I think that's one of the things that we agreed to talk about. Exactly. But I'm um, yeah, I'm excited. And but without further ado, I would like to also welcome our writers. the voice writers. Yes, exactly. We will start with Philip. Hi, Alexia. Hi, Ronald. Thanks a lot for having me. Welcome. So to brief everyone, I am the editor in chief of the science section. So I'm Belgian Polish. Uh, and, of course, I have a team, so I lead a team of two people in my section. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's David, he is a yeah. physics PhD student, and Martin, a fourth-year medicine student. All right. And together, we really try to encourage diversity, and we try to write, write about many different subjects in, phys- in, um, in science in general. Mm-hmm. So we write everything from common misconceptions to explaining physical phenomena. All right. And we also really try to get as much attention as possible. So we thought about, uh, you know, writing about things that uh, that students that read our magazine really care about. So we all live in Belgium, mm-hmm. and we all know that Belgians are a really rainy country. So I told myself, huh, wouldn't it be nice to write about why it rains so much in Belgium? That's a question I ask myself every day. Please <laughs> give answer on that. <laughs> well, you can find all of that in last, uh, last month's magazine. Uh, along with a really nice article written mm-hmm. by David about X-rays. Oh. So uh, this article talks about the origin of X-rays, uh, what they're used for, and of course their future and how they may uh, bring humanity ultimately a mm-hmm. uh, big advantage. So enough of that. Let's talk about the future of this section. Okay. So firstly, of course, we want as many writers as possible. The more, the better. So if anyone that is listening right now wants to join in, just come on in because um, the more the better, as I said, the and more diversity. Tell us, what kind of profile are you looking for? We're looking about anyone interested in science or interested in writing in general okay. about something that's related to science. Okay. We can just bring anyone that's interested in writing about anything and we can find a relationship with science. Okay, everybody, you hear the call. <laughs> Contact Philip. Yeah. Uh, so, again, I'd really like to encourage you to come. Uh, it's a way to get out of your comfort zone and, of course, have fun. Now, for the future of The Voice. Um, well, I have an article coming up, which I'm really excited for. Firstly, I know that many people, when they walk, right, they look around, and one of the things they see is birds walking, birds walking, right? And so, I've, I have the same experience. Mm-hmm. And so, I've, I always wondered, why do birds bob their head when they walk? <laughs> and so this is what this is one of the articles that's coming up. Why do birds bob they, their head when they walk? And actually, while doing my research today, I found out that if you put a bird on a treadmill, a pigeon, for instance, it's not going to bob its head. 
its head is mm -hmm. not gonna move and it's just gonna you know keep walking that treadmill and um, I found that really interesting. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when you that's a really insight, an interesting insight actually to look into it that way. Thank you very much for uh, your presentation and now we will look into Nick. Yeah, thanks Alexia. Hello everyone, thank you for having me. My name is Nicholas Johnston and I'm the editor for the Soon in Leuven section. We write about upcoming events uh, in Leuven and the area available for students, but I'm also a writer. Uh, and I've contributed recently to a large article uh, where we did some investigative research, some background information into the tuition increases here at the KU Leuven. So I can share a little bit about this for the listeners and encourage you to read further. So here's just a taste of some of the things we learned as we looked into it. As of the 2018-2019 academic year, the tuition situation at KU Leuven changed rather dramatically. In previous years, with a few exceptions, the majority of faculties had tuition fees which were equivalent between citizens of the econ European Economic Area, the EEA, and those from outside the EEA. However, beginning in the fall of 2018, this changed quite dramatically. The change which was instituted this year came as a surprise to many, returning from an era where, when looking online, you'd see that tuition prices costed about 922 euros a year. All of a sudden, some faculties had increased to 1,750 euros a year, 3,000, uh, or even 6,000 euros, seemingly, for some of us, overnight. There was a considerable confusion among the student population, uh, not an abundant access to information, uh, though some interest began to pick up. We looked into this, my co-writer Sehan and I, and we compiled as much of this as we could into an article investigating the background of this to inform students about the exemptions that are available for some students, what this might mean for the future, how this relates to the program of the current uh, rector of the university, Luke Sells, and its greater framework just in the history of Flanders, the history of Leuven, what it means for internationalization of the university, and what it might mean for your wallet in the coming years. So if you want to learn more, you can take a look at our magazine, find it lying around somewhere, uh, or check online. Hopefully we'll be doing some more investigations in the future to contribute to spotlight pieces that take a deeper dive onto something affecting our lives, and in this case, quite dramatically and directly. Yeah, thank you very much, Nick. Thank it's you, Nick. It's something we're, we're all concerned about as students, of course, and uh, having such a detailed you know, spotlight is really nice for us. Thank you very much. Now, uh, over to Nicholas. What do you have for us? Two unknown entities that are now side by side standing in the proscenium from this guy's nurture are under the spectrum of divine movement. The dance of two strangers, observed incessantly by the crowd. Hi, Alexia. Hi. Hi, Ron. Hi, Philip. Hi, Nick. Hello. How are you all doing? Thank you. Thank you. Good. Thank you. Good. And you? Very fine. Thanks. I'm Nicholas Rojas. I'm the editor of the art section of The Voice magazine. And well, I'm very glad to be here sharing a little bit of my past article of the printed edition. We're glad to have you. Yeah, I'm really glad. I'm so glad you guys are here. It's really nice to also hear from other people as well. And also, of course, to hear uh, what's coming up with the voice and what's already there and I'm glad that all you guys are contributing to this uh, program as well so um, and uh, I think for um, I would like to also mention that last week I attended an exhibition opening restless for youth at the house of European history and this exhibition focuses on four generations of such young people who came of age at key moments in the European story, uh, story from the late 1940s to uh, today's young generations and 
While at the event, I had the pleasure of meeting the young organizers of Youth for Climate protests. I spoke with one of them, uh, Adelaide Charlier, I hope, I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly, and she discussed how she and the others started the movement, and here is what she has to say. I was really touched already about this climate question for a long time, but I heard Greta Thunberg talk at the COP24, you know, and it was just crazy and it, it made me think I cannot stop, like I cannot stay in my house doing nothing. I need to act in a bigger way. So I was in contact with Kira and Amina and we were like, okay, let's, let's do it. And uh, we started to, uh, the marches on Thursdays and it started to get really big. How did you mobilize that many people? I think we have to say thank you to the social media yeah. that help us a lot. But I think we all have this uh, idea and we all have this message that we want to share. And so I think it's it's really important to let them have a chance, let youth have a chance to express themselves. And when they get that chance by striking, they go for it yeah. and they go out. Is that very common in Belgium? Yeah, people to I, think, I think striking is common in Belgium, but I think striking for this cause as yeah. you, exactly. that is new and, and that is very good. And one last thing, any advice for the young climate uh, supporters? <laughs> yes, uh, keep striking, never stop, and you will start changing people's minds. Thank you so much, thank you. Thank you, Adelaide. It was really nice to meet her, and I know that Adelaide and other young climate protesters worldwide have issued a letter which was published by major news organizations who believe that the views of the young people are being ignored. And a global protest is being planned mm -hmm. for 15th of March. And we hope to have her on our show and learn more about this amazing cause really soon. And, but I think you have had uh, enough for, uh, of us for a few minutes, so we'll be right back. So I left while you were sleeping That's all it took And I chalked the line south down the coast Going where my thirst was open For the things that I don't know Going where I wasn't paying For the hurt that I owe Sleeping by the creek And a woman put me under A barn roof for a week I knew her voice before she spake I saw a grave dug by a preacher Just to see what it would make So hold high Forget you come from nothing. Oh, and 
Welcome back, guys. It was really nice to um, welcome back. It was really nice to um, to talk to with all of the writers. But right now, we just wanna do a little bit of a uh, uh, few announcements. So, <coughs> Nick, here you go. Hello, everyone. It's Nick back, and I'm here with some news about an opportunity to get involved in service and volunteer work here in Leuven. For those who've had an urge to take a more serious and direct relationship to the city of Leuven, our host city, as we're studying here, and maybe an opportunity to get to know some of the locals. So an organization known as Serve the City in Leuven is looking for volunteers for cleaning action days on the 23rd and 24th of March. Volunteers will be cleaning the streets of Leuven, walking up and down, presumably picking up trash and tidying things up. If you want to join, you can go online and you'll be accompanied by a large group of volunteers for the two days, both old and young, uh, presumably from all over the world in different uh, demographics throughout Leuven. It's a great way to make new friends, to get to know the city, and maybe to get to know yourself through service. So if you want to learn more, you can go online to servethecityleuven.be and sign up for one of their time slots on Saturday or Sunday, the 23rd and 24th of March. Thank you. Nicholas, what's up? Hi Dan, Ronald. I'm not sure if all of our listeners will know what the Itaca Arts Festival is, so I'll give you a little bit overview of what it means. This past Tuesday, a week-long interactive Itaca Arts Festival began which celebrates the long history of the story of Leuven. It features a series of workshops, activities, guided tours and a concert. This year's festival is being held at the unoccupied Monastery of the Brothers of Charity. The Voice visited the festival and viewed amazing sculptures, paintings, a beach sand inside a bathroom, that's crazy guys, video art pieces and hanging amplifier from a ceiling, and a few more by local area artists. Works by local artists such as Martin Rosenfeld, A Street Watering Kick, Piri Corrick, Raquel Vermont, Adrian Marion, Sarah Lowers, Existence, Angie Virpadija, Walter Van de Kook, Jerome Clockers, and of course, many others. Of course, attendance is totally free. 
you still have time to catch it this weekend, which I highly recommend. It is a great opportunity for students to view the work of new artists from the area, have a drink, take a tour, and make some amazing discoveries. I was actually there last Tuesday for the poetry and wine night, and it was kind of an amazing experience. You could actually see many people engaging with activity, they would go up on stage, they would recite poetry, and you could really feel it. So it was something extremely beautiful, and we could hear poetry in Hungarian, in Danish, in Spanish. Actually, it was mind-blowing, and I felt so delighted by this beautiful experience. Thank you so much, Nick. Uh, it's really, um, that's really great. And I also, <coughs> excuse me, I also went there and I met, I, I met a few people who worked there, and it's really nice to see. And it's one of the things that I highly recommend. So take it, Philip. So we have this amazing opportunity for students who want to explore the intersection between journalism and technology with news organizations. For instance, the Google News Initiative. To briefly discuss about uh, to briefly discuss this fellowship, we have the project manager from European Journalist Center, Miss Paula Montagna Toa, on the phone. Hi, Paula. Can you hear us, Paula? Hi there. Hi. Yes, I hear you. Hi, how are you? Um, very well, how are you? Good, good, good. Welcome to Radio Scorpio. So Thank you. We had a few questions, actually, for you. Firstly, we would like to know, what is the European Journalism Center like? So, the EJC, the European Journalism Center, is a non-profit institution. Uh, we are based in Maastricht, in the Netherlands and in Brussels, uh, and where we have been around since 1992, and we basically offer uh, all sorts of opportunities and training, and we organize events, we offer grants, uh, on yeah everything to sort of uh, help the journalism industry to thrive. And yeah, we work in different areas, like verification or data, uh, press freedom, and well, now with the fellowship also, we want to kind of work closer with the student community. Yeah, so you mentioned actually about a fellowship. Can you mm -hmm. explain uh, what it's all about? Yes, so this is a new project for us, uh, and it's basically offering an opportunity to students uh, to get to work maybe for the first time in well-known uh, newsrooms for, from all across Europe and get paid for their work, of course, uh, but also to kind of offer them a community and uh, mentorship opportunities and training. So the fellowship itself is an eight-week uh, placement in a newsroom, as I said, in 11 different countries. Yep. We have 14 newsrooms in total. And it's mostly, well, to gain, gain some practical experience and also to learn, uh, yeah, about digital storytelling and audience engagement and, yeah, anything related to journalism and technology. And so I think many students are going to ask themselves a question. Is this fellowship only available for journalist students or can anyone join it? Anyone can join it. Uh, one of our goals is to diversify also the teams in newsrooms, so to have people that have different backgrounds, not only coming from journalism schools, but also from other areas like design, statistics, uh, yeah, user development, anything. So, yeah, you can see if you check the different uh, fellowship placements, every newsroom is looking for a different profile and not 
again, not all of them are, uh, yeah, people with journalism uh, studies, but also other other backgrounds. So I would really encourage anyone who is, uh, yeah, curious about how is it to work in a newsroom and who is also big uh, tech savvy uh, to apply if they are interested. Okay, well, it's it's very nice to actually encourage diversity. And mm-hmm. actually speaking about it, how many news organizations are participating in this fellowship? Uh, we have 40 in total. 40. And um, do you need to be able to speak the working language of the news organizations you select? That depends. Uh, it's also case by case. Some newsrooms uh, do ask for uh, fellows that are native speakers. Others do not. Uh, again, some newsrooms are, have teams that are more international, uh, and it would be fine, like, speaking in English, but others uh, do require that you speak, uh, yeah, their working language. Yeah. So it's case by case. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much, Paula. These have been all the questions so far. Great. And Paula, can you just give us information on what website to look for for the... Yes. Yes, so our website is uh, journalismfellowships.eu. Awesome. Thank you and so much. Perfect. Thank you. So, uh, thank you, Thank you, and I, uh, I think everyone should apply, and I think it's one a great opportunity. And for now, yeah. we'll be right back. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. And everything is going to the beat. And everything is going to the
Welcome back. Welcome back. It's really nice to um, hear uh, from Paul and also one, uh, a few announcements. And again, I would highly recommend, highly recommend going to the Ithaca Festival. Absolutely. Uh, hi everyone, welcome back. So we're going to start with a new topic right now, which is a topic many students um, will be concerned by actually. It's all about the exchanges, but this time we want to focus about academic exchanges outside Europe. So I have with me Mirai Neumann. She's half German, half Japanese. She's currently uh, also studying in Leuven with us at the Master of European Studies. Yes, we're all basically all colleagues. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we know each other all by now. I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I got Mirai to join because it <laughs> took a little bit of convincing from She's Alexia. She's difficult to convince. Exactly. <laughs> so, well, now we, why are we talking about this? Well. It's really, really important to also understand that, well, most of us, when we go on Erasmus, we often go inside Europe. Um, and, well, the idea is that um, going outside Europe offers a new experience, right? So it is a little bit going out of your comfort zone. And here we all have experiences with that. And we want to share that with you and also talk about a very specific country later on, which is Japan. Uh, Mirai, can you just introduce yourself a little bit and tell us about quickly your experiences outside of Europe? Yes, yeah, thank you, Alexia. Um, yeah, as you already mentioned, I'm half Japanese, half German. I'm 24 years old and I'm Master of European Studies student. And um, my main focus is to look at relationships between EU and Asia, mm -hmm. and speci uh, specifically to Japan. And um, for my bachelor's, I did ethnology, and I focused there on Indonesia. Ah. And there I did like a little exchange as well. So that was my first out of my comfort zone experience, I would say. Really? And so, so Indonesia, you said that for a month, you said? Yeah. And it was for your studies, right? Yeah, I did like a field research. So how did it get you out of your comfort zone? What did you learn from that experience, really? I would like to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was pretty hard, actually, because... They don't really speak a lot of English where I went to, especially because I worked with orphans. Oh, okay. So children and, well, they only speak their mother tongue, which is Bahasa Indonesia. And I learned for about a year at the university Indonesian and that was it. But because the language is not so hard to learn, mm -hmm. it was easier to get in. So the first thing was the language barrier. Of but course. everything else was rather easy because they have... Um, they accepted me because I look really Asian as well. Oh. So they thought that I am Chinese, Indonesian, and really didn't see a big difference. So just when I started talking to them, they were like, oh, hmm, your language is not as good as <laughs> you would look no like. No way, that's a little bit disconcerting, yeah. but okay. <laughs> it was okay, though, because every time they said, where are you from? And I said, well, from Germany <laughs> and Japan. Yeah, exactly. they were confused, like, you're Asian, you're part of us. I'm like, yeah, that's true, you're right, I'm part of you. Well, <laughs> I share your values as well. Absolutely, I mean, it, it can get kind of confusing. So myself, I went to Japan for six months, I was in Kobe University, and I also had, uh, well, fellow, well, from Asian descent, but mm -hmm. Belgian-born uh, friends, and they also sometimes had a, quite a hard time uh, in Japan itself because, well, because of a well, because they looked Asian, basically, uh, often people would assume they speak Japanese. So yeah, right. imagine we go to the restaurant, and basically what happens is that they only talk to them to order or whatever. So and they're completely in confusion because well, it's not their language per se, of course. And uh, so I think this is kind of you can find this back in many experiences when you go abroad, right? Co yes. 
What do you think, Ron? Well, for me, I, I mean, I'm Asian and very much Asian, so <laughs> there's no half and half. And um, what's funny is like when I was in China and I was traveling with a friend and she's American and blonde and they always refer to me first before she can answer. And I said, you can talk to her. I mean, it's not me. So for that, that's a little bit different for me. But of course, I was born in the Philippines, but I, I grew up in America. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, my mentality and my, I guess my personality is quite different. Yeah, like, obviously. Yeah. Obviously. It's, it's really important, right? Um, even though, so to go back a little bit more on the academic exchange outside of Europe um, and about Japan, why are we talking about Japan right now today? Well, if you ever were interested to go a bit more outside of the borders of Europe and to see what is very there in the world, um, I personally am a strong advocate of Japan as a first destination, which gets you kind of out of the comfort zone as a European, let's say, but also not do not give you too much of a culture shock. What I mean by that is that Japan is a very modern country, a very uh, country with a lot of like good transportation, uh, very incredible, welcoming people, etc. And even though there are difficulties and similarities between both European and Japanese cultures, it is a good first experience, a first step into this kind of outside of Europe experiences when you have to live there for a long time, right? So, well, Mirai, you have both cultures, you have both insights. So <laughs> tell us all about your wisdom. What do you think can be challenges, but also nice surprises for Europeans that go to Japan? I think everyone is expecting people to speak English, mm-hmm. but I guess Japanese people can be shy. They know yeah. English, but they don't want to speak it. Mm-hmm. So everyone is kind of puzzled when they <laughs> ask you something. So maybe try to learn a few Japanese words before you go there. That would be, I guess, the first advice. But also just be open for anything, especially um, food, because it uh-huh. can be really different. Everyone is just thinking about sushi and ramen, but there's so much more, of course. which could look a bit awkward <laughs> for European eyes <laughs> as well. But um, besides that, there is a lot of bureaucracy, I would say, mm-hmm. as well. Oh, so yeah. when it comes to academic exchanges and choosing courses and which course you can take, etc., it can be a bit tough. Yeah. But yeah. just accept it because that's the way it is. And they're really strict about yeah. that. And I think for me, um, when they acknowledged I was, uh, I, I always tell I'm an American, but when they acknowledged that I have like Asian uh, background, they, uh, they were surprised that I could speak English. So I think in some ways, once they hear from someone that they, that uh, someone like me could uh, speak English, it kind of give them a little bit of a uh, boost uh, in confidence. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. That's true. That's really true. And also, like you said, the survival kit of learning a little bit of Japanese, yeah. it's so appreciated by the people because yeah, they never is. expect it. They, they are really happy to see that foreigners are interested in their countries and very happy to see that some, some people are doing really like efforts to, you know, get into the language. But now we've talked about, it, about the difficulties. What are maybe the cool, easily, more easy parts about going to Japan. Um, I think now, especially with the Olympics 2020, ah, yeah, everything is translated as well as in English. And then there are so many volunteers mm-hmm. everywhere in the city, especially in Tokyo. Elderly people who are maybe 50 years old and they all have vests on, saying ah. volunteers and yeah, translation, city guide, whatsoever. So they just come up to you and ask you if you need help. 
yeah. when you just stand around and just look <laughs> what's going yeah. on. So that's going to be easy thing. I think that's going to be really easier in yeah. the next well, few years. Well, for me, like when I was there, it was it was an incredible experience because, um, again, it was my first time in a, another Asian country after having moved to America. And it wasn't so much of a culture shock for me, but at the same time, it was still a little bit because it's a completely different culture from Philippines to America and then to Japan. Oh, the mindset mm -hmm. for sure. Exactly, right? And also, <laughs> one of the biggest things I ever experienced there was when I slip in a, what do you call it? It's a hostel, but almost looked like a, ah. um, a not a cemetery, but like where you put <laughs> Oh, yeah, you have coffin. to imagine it. Do you see like where the bees, they make their little uh, nest, etc.? You mean these kind of hostels? No, it's like it's one The capsule person. hostel. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. the bees. I said more like bees. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah. You were doing some squares. I don't know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Word in English. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. But that for me, it was a cri uh, quite, an, uh, quite an experience for me mm. because I think when I was growing up in Philippines, I always somehow I always watch travel program. And whenever I see Japanese or uh, Japan, it had something like that. It's almost like uh, it, it was enticing for me to I was like, man, I want to go there. And I was able to go there. I, I didn't stay there long, but at the same time, it was an incredible experience. Yeah, yeah sure, is. for sure. I must say now, as someone who is only European, let's say from the Sen, who didn't really know, I mean, a lot about Asian culture, who have never been confronted with it. Um, I must say going to Japan is something that really opens your mind. I think it's also applicable to other Asian, you know, countries like China, Taiwan, South Korea, etc. But um, whether you study politics, economics, literature, psychology, going to a university or to study there, or even just for tourism, but more specifically for to study, going there is also a way to study differently than what you've done until then. You get, I think, a new vision. Mm -hmm. You see things from an Asian or a Japanese or a Chinese perspective, depending on where you're going. And uh, that's really something that teaches you that you will never get that anywhere else than yes. by going into the country itself. Exactly. But before you answer, we'll be right back. Standing at the pump, table swallowing pump. So you 
Welcome back. Thank you so much. And I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we had to take a break. There's no problem, Ronald. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yes, continue, please. Well, yeah. Well, we were thinking now, we talked about it, about difficulties and, you know, similarities and what you can expect from the Japanese society experience, whatever. If we're talking a bit about campus life, there's something very typically Japanese, I think, about that, which is what we call bukatsu, which is the clubs. So Japanese student life is very rich, which means that basically um, there are many, many clubs in which you can do so many different sport activities, you can do cultural activities, you can do sports from ski to basketball to tennis to, and in cultural activities, well, you can do a lot also things that are related to Japan, such as calligraphy, for example, but also movies or mangas, if you're into that. Um, I think clubs, well, there are maybe 10 to 20 people. It's like a small class, really. So yeah. you get to know not only, I think, you get to have a really close group, be with other fellow Japanese students. And also that's what the point is, I think, of yeah. your exchange when you go there. Yeah. Because it's really easy to stay in your international bubble, kind of. So right. just with, yeah, just stay with your like um, English speaking friends and it goes very easily. But if you want, really want to get out of your comfort zone, the best thing is really to engage with the local students, the yes. Japanese students. Yes. What do you think about that, Mirai? Yeah, and you also, when you're in a club, you're really dedicated to it. You really mm. live for that club and you might miss class or you don't study so much. So it's more about going to university just to be in the club, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in the Bukatsu team. So if you start going there, they not understand that you're foreign and you might not just be there for the club and you want a sightseeing whatsoever. But I think they would be like, they would really appreciate when you go there really regularly and show the whole really your interest. Uh, absolutely. It's a lot of uh, dedication, but you gain very strong, valuable friendships out of it. Yeah. You know, you gain experiences you will never, ever had if you didn't participate to that club. And you really feel the culture of Japanese. You feel mm -hmm. the hierarchy from young and old members. You feel how sportsmanship means mm. for them just to be in a societal yeah. yeah, community yeah. very Media. much. But is it, um, from your perspective, um, is there like a difference for Japanese students coming to a, like a Western uh, country such as you know, Europe um, for them to move here, study? Is there any adjustment that they had to make? I think they have to open up more. I think a lot of people are still shy, but I mean, in Europe, we're really open. Yeah. <laughs> and we're just outgoing and... For students who are like that, I think it's going to be a really good experience, but I think some people might be intimidated by it. But that's yeah. when you go above your comfort zone, right? Exactly. <laughs> this word comes back a lot, I know, but I think Japanese students also have a very nice experience here. It's challenging, for sure. No, yeah, especially because you have to study yes. a lot here. <laughs> ah, damn no, it. Yeah. it it's, there's no question about that. I mean, I met a few, and I know um, even then, for me, I was... I guess I struggled in the big in the beginning how to make friends, but at the same time you just have to do it, and either you push yourself or someone else help you. Yeah, so yeah. it goes both ways, I think. Yeah, for sure. You need to be a bit. It learns you also to be adaptable and flexible, right? Yeah, flexible. You, That's you, a good word. You really need to learn that, and it's not only about your student life, but also later in life. I think when you get a new job, when you start a new career, you will be in a not known environment and mm -hmm. these kind of things where you have to get out of your shell yes. and you know go out front and be the true you exactly. <laughs> it's really important it's a great experience you know, yeah you exactly. have to adapt yeah no yeah. i can imagine and is there one, one more thing um uh, mirai before you go 
Uh, I know you have to study or whatever else you have to do this weekend. Uh, I want to ask, is there something that you can share uh, as Japanese language that you could, that maybe like us would like, we should know when we would like to start having conversation with a Japanese person? Um, I guess for Belgium students, cheers is a good word. <laughs> <laughs> really? So it's kampai. Kampai. Ah, kampai. Okay. Or yeah, thank you is one of the main words. So arigato gozaimasu. Oh, yeah. Arigato. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I may add, don't try to give a kiss on the cheek to a Japanese person. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't think be I too touchy. I, I traumatized a friend <laughs> yeah. by this, and I think <laughs> I may have lost her by this. <laughs> That's really interesting. I never, I mean, for me, I always say, I think I tend to shake hands with people. Ah, yeah, it's yeah. a good plan. It's the French in me that goes out like <laughs> this. <laughs> Let me kiss everybody. <laughs> exactly. But seriously, Mirai, thank you so much. I really, we really you. appreciate your thank time. Thank you for having me. No, it was really uh, incredible to learn from so, uh, from someone like you, especially, and hope uh, we can do this again. Sure thing. All right. See well, we'll, we'll be right back, right?
Welcome back. Thank you, thank you so much, Mirai. It was really a pleasure to uh, speak with her, and I know she um, enjoys um, talking with me because we are almost in the same classes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know why I said that, but I'm pretty sure it's just what she's thinking. <laughs> but we have a new guest, Michael, yes. Michael, Michael D'Souza. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Great. Well, can you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself? Yes. First of all, thank you very much for inviting me on the show. We're happy to have you. Yes, me too. <laughs> Um, I'm from India originally, and uh, I, ha- I have been living in Leuven for uh, a year and a half now. And prior to Leuven, I lived in Italy for two years. I was also studying there, business administration, and now I'm studying business management in Leuven. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> at, which, at which faculty are you right now? Uh, I don't study at KU Leuven. I study in UCLL. I'm, I'm not sure if oh, you're Oh, you're not one of us. Yeah, you're not one of us. Why are you doing here? What are you doing here? Sorry, I need some change in life. So. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I know my friend uh, Maria actually um, referred um, um, me to you yes. or vice versa. So I was like, well, why not? I mean, if she you're more did, than yeah. willing to share your experience, Absolutely, I don't yeah. really care. Yeah, we live in the same cot. Maria mm-hmm. and I, and that's where I met her, and she did mention Ron, that, that <laughs> oh, he needs people. And then, you know, it was it's funny because she, she comes to me and she's like, you know, I, you know, you like to talk a lot, right? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I have a perfect job for you. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to talk to Maria about that. Man. <laughs> <laughs> you should. <laughs> right. But well, I guess one thing, like, I know we spoke briefly, yes. but what's the one thing, I guess, um, that you like? about living here and also what about your studies? Yes, uh, it's a very good question. Uh, almost, uh, I get this question all the time. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. So I'm, Typical, uh, right? <laughs> it's like but an I icebreaker. Love, I love answering that question though. <laughs> yeah. So for me, the most important thing Leuven has to offer is diversity. That's mm. very important for me. And also uh, the way they treat international students here, uh, especially that I lived in Rome. This is not something I've got before I've never experienced something like this because Rome uh, has a very different uh, culture, especially uh-huh. with international. It's a very closed community of people, right. and it's a huge city, so you don't really differentiate yourself as a student in that big city. Mm-hmm. And Leuven is is a student city. It's all Absolutely. about students. It's for students, and that's something I've never seen before. And also, uh, I am twenty six years old, and I haven't uh, done my bachelor's before in India or anywhere oh, really? else. So this is the first time I'm actually studying. And when I went to Rome, I wanted to like have that student life again, but somehow I couldn't find it in Rome. Yeah. And it was kind of hard for me to to, really? to integrate yeah. with people, especially. But not to say it's a beautiful, I mean, it's not, it's a beautiful city. It's a beautiful culture and everything, but it's just quite difficult. Was the language, uh, did the language form a barrier? Also a big mm. barrier, the language barrier, of course, but I also spoke Italian, but still it was ah. kind of difficult. Uh, but this is what I'm getting in Leuven. Like I'm reliving my teenage years. <laughs> Let's I'm say, the same. Yeah, like, <laughs> I got back my 20s again, even though I'm 26 years old, like all your my... 20s. You're still in the middle of your 20s. You got back your <laughs> exactly. 20s. You're not even far off than me compared to me. I will be me. soon, four years. <laughs> oh yeah, four years. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so Leuven is actually offering me a very good... Um, 
um, platform as a student to enjoy all the things that I don't know if I will enjoy it in the future. Mm -hmm. yeah. And also my course has a lot uh, has lots to offer. I'm studying marketing, business management and marketing. So I get a lot of practical insights and I work on side projects with companies. Yeah. So it's really it's really very, um, how do you say, very uh, informatical. Pra yeah. Practical? Yeah, practical. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know that The Voice is always looking for business managers oh. to, uh, to help us um, advertising or fundraising yeah. and things like that. So, yeah. Belgium is welcoming. You're already getting a job. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. We're all students here. We don't make pay. <laughs> It's all about experience, guys. Come on. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Of course, of so, course. No, that's really great. I really, um, it's nice to know uh, pe people like that. And I know uh, Logan has very diverse um, academic ba um, background or also... Yes different faculties so that's the one thing i also enjoy about logan right mm -hmm. so. and it's very easy to just start conversation with anybody anywhere and it's easy to like make friends yeah per se so mm -hmm. i've never had any problem navigating or, or yeah you met maria and she yeah. talks a lot too she no no i didn't say that <laughs> Don't maria, if you're hearing this right you're done you gotta it. talk to ron <laughs> exactly right. yeah i'm gonna hear that from her this weekend <laughs> so i hope she's listening to <laughs> yeah, no, right. me too um but um uh, I guess the one thing I want to ask a few more is like, what is like, is there any difficulties that you might have been experiencing here? Um, one thing uh, is with the language. Ah. Yeah, that's uh, also Dutch? a barrier, Dutch. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel bad because, uh, you know, when I was in Italy, I would try to speak Italian. But when I uh, try to do that here, everyone speaks English. Yeah. So so it's kind of sad that I don't put any efforts, but it's also making me very lazy because everyone speaks English. It's so easy, right? Yeah. It's it's so convenient in that case. <laughs> it's very convenient, but at the same time, I find it quite challenging to learn Dutch. To, to not, yeah. Yeah, and, and that has been uh, a problem for now for me, just a language barrier, and I wish I could give that back to the community to, to try to speak that language. Well, you know, honestly, we all we are all very aware that Dutch. I mean, I've 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 been raised in in Flanders, and we are aware that Dutch is not you know the most you know cosmopolitan language to say. <laughs> um, but I think you know if. You say, <laughs> you know, I think if you say that, well, at least I think for us, what the most important is is your intention. Yeah. So, you know, if you already just start with an Huinde or, you know, thank you, yeah, this kind of thing is already like the dude is trying, you know, and uh, <laughs> it's it's already a big step, I think. Yes, I think so. And yeah, I, I appreciate that very much. <laughs> and also, the other problem is with the drinking culture. I can't keep up with that. The contest? <laughs> it's amazing, but it's just ah. that I am trying to get on the same level as Belgians, but it's impossible. I mean, we have years of experience. We started 16 exactly. officially. Right. So. No, that's incredible. Um, but I would like to know more about you, but we'll be right back. Okay. Thank you.
Welcome back. Thank you so much. Yeah, Michael, come on. Yes, sir. What else? What else? Like, can you tell uh, that you can tell us about Lovin for you? Um, another interesting fact is um, I organize a lot of house parties in Lovin. <laughs> what That's Maria never mentioned that to me. Sorry about that. <laughs> She was part of many epic house parties that I uh, that I give in in Lovin, especially uh, because I'm also the ambassador of my faculty. Oh yes, I am, and uh, you know it's th there's a lot of pressure on doing events and activities, especially for international students, because we need to give them a stage to 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 go out there and do something. And also, when you have different cultures colliding, you know people are a bit shy to mingle with each other. Mm. So this is where I break the ice. So I I you know I try to invite people to my house parties, and they all come together, and then we have an epic time and talking and chatting. A true ambassador. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> man. <laughs> you try to satisfy everybody. I try to, yeah. That, wow. I mean, I, that's that's my personality. So I really like bringing people together mm -hmm. and organizing events. Okay, and, I know. understand why Maria asked you. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm glad. It's it really yeah. nice. I mean, we need people who can talk. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And that's why you ask Alexia. <laughs> Are you saying I'm chatty? <laughs> no, no. I said you're uh, intellectually chatty. Right? Uh, <laughs> not nice save. <laughs> exactly. Ooh, man, that was that was close. <laughs> But. So, No, go ahead. Yeah, so yeah, that's what I do. Uh, and apart from that, I mean, in Leuven, um, everything is just great about this mm -hmm. city, uh, especially... Uh, well, one bad thing is definitely the weather because <laughs> I see like three the seasons in one day. Who's not complaining about that, right? <laughs> hey, I It's mean, amazing. if you had the Voice magazine... We have one article from our writer, Philip. Yeah, indeed. Why does it rain in Belgium? Um, you have to read about it. Oh, wow. I'm interested. <laughs> It's Not that for it us to get into cafes, probably, and drink some more. Uh, that's my own theory. I'm not a scientist. but. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, he's an engineer, so I refer to him more. Oh. Right? <laughs> I mean, but come I, have on. I have street smart, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really? So, so, yeah, the weather is absolutely a shocker for me, especially, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, coming from India. You know, India, we always have like 30 degrees or 25 degrees average weather, even during winters. Mm -hmm. And also living in Italy, it's almost the same. It's always sunny, even if it's winter. No, it's it's not like yeah. it's raining all the time. But then you come exactly. to Belgium, it's just... Excuse exactly. me, but you're from India. Don't you have something <laughs> called like the Musan? <laughs> the Musan? <laughs> no, no. The, uh, what's the that? The typhoon? Uh, monsoon. Ah, monsoon. Monsoon. Yeah. I mean, it's... Still not like here. The monsoon, like, it's it's 25 degrees. It's pretty. Okay. It's pretty yeah, nice. Sure. You uh, enjoy the rain a lot. No, no, that's cool though. But Michael, I'm sorry, but we have to uh, go soon. Yes. But I would like to thank you so much for thank joining us. Thank you very us. much it's for really having me. It's really fun yes, to uh, talk to you, and hopefully we can have you again. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, see you again, Michael. Excited to come back. Yeah. Thank you very much, guys. Oh. Good luck for thank the you. rest. And thank you very much. Good evening. Yeah, thank <laughs> you so much. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye. And well, we don't have a lot of time, but seriously, thank you, Alexia. It was really nice to uh, talk to you and to, uh, to host this with you. But next time, we'll have another voice imp uh, show. Oh. So we are the voice on the radio. 
Have See a great weekend. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.